opportunity to sit to sit and to listen and to be poured into about just not just your outstanding love for us, but I thank you for taking our understandings to a new dimension. We yield our ears to hear, our eyes to see, our hearts to understand what you want to pour into us today. We stand ready. We are open. Father, we thank you for removing everything that would separate us, that would magnetize us away from your will and your word. We stand ready, open with our hearts. If there's anything that anyone has today that would be a barrier to hearing your word and walking forward. We ask, Father, we repent right now. We thank you for the washing of us through your word. You said your word makes us clean. We just thank you for what you're pouring into Prophet Andrea, and we are excited. We stand ready and open to hear everything you have to say, because the entrance of your word brings light. We receive it now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Apostle Pamela, for the prayer. So I am not going to delay. I am going to get right into the teaching this morning. Um, some announcements were already made, but um, I think the only other thing that I would mention is uh, about giving. So as always, you all know, our, our presentations are, co are copywritten, and um, I always like to add a disclaimer uh, as we stand before God's people or any audience, they need to understand uh, what, who we are and how we're coming in terms of the volume of the book that is written of us. So I always like to add that disclaimer because I am not all of these things, doctor, lawyer, counselor, and so on and so forth, but I do come in the weight um, and the position in which God has placed me. So, and we all do that. That is a con uh, conservatory pattern in which we do so. Um, these are, this is our overview and uh, some of our pillars and principles. You all are familiar with that, so I'm not going to go into that. And, the, and again, the only other thing I wanted to mention was giving. So um, as we're going through the lesson and as the, the Lord leads you, please don't forget to give. So this morning, this message, I, I don't think it's going to take long, but, you know, we're just going to move as Holy Spirit leads. But when we look at our national climate, when we look at the world climate, when we look at what's happening all over the place, politics and division and derision in families and um, things going on with, with finances and people dying, we understand what has happened over the last several weeks with all of the mass shootings and the, the horrific uh, levels and amounts of death that has been going on, the death that has been happening um, in terms of sickness and disease and, and, and people even just being overwhelmed by depression and despair and hopelessness and all of the other things that come with it, whether it's emotional trauma and pain, um, financial emotional trauma, um, uh, financial uh, trauma and pain, um, mental trauma and pain, just all of these things that are going on in our world today, in our nation today, it is horrific. People don't know who God is. People don't know who they are. And it's just chaos and confusion is abounding. That's what our eyes are seeing. And that is what we are beholding in our human experience. But today, 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 this message is about hope. Um, 
when I when I was assigned to teach today, I you know as usual, and this is with with anyone who stands before the people of God, it's always a question of, Lord, what do your people need? And with everything that has gone on, it is without question that we need to know and hold on to hope. We need to have hope because without hope, then darkness abounds. We don't have anywhere to look and there is nothing to to hold fast to. But as believers, we know better than that, but we have to be reminded sometimes because of the weight of things going on, we can forget. So that's what today is. Today is just a reminder, a simple reminder to maintain your hope, to hold on to your hope, regardless of what you see, regardless of what you hear, regardless of how you feel, hold on to hope. So please um, take out your Bibles. Prayerfully, you have your paper Bibles. We are going to um, start in Hebrews chapter 6. And we're going to start at verse 13 through 20. And I put the entire passage here. If you don't have your paper Bible, but you understand that as a conservator, we love to make sure that we have a paper Bible to touch, to feel, so that we don't have all of the distractions and things of that nature. So I am going to read all of this. I'm going to take my time through this. Understand today we are really going to get into the scripture. So just be ready. Um, but we again are going to start at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13 through verses 13 through 20. And the word of God reads from the Amplified Version. For when God made the promise to Abraham, he swore an oath by himself, since he had no one greater by whom to swear saying, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply you. And so having patiently waited, he, Abraham, realized the promise in the miraculous birth of Isaac as a pledge of what was to come from God. Indeed, men swear an oath by one greater than themselves and with them in all disputes. The in all disputes, the oath serves as confirmation of what has been said and is an end of the dispute. Come on here with the word of God. In the same way, in the same way, God, in his desire to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable nature of his purpose, the King James Version reads the immu immutability of his counsel, intervened and guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to him for refuge would have strong encouragement and indwelling strength to hold tightly to the hope set before us. This hope, this confident assurance we have as an anchor of the soul, it cannot slip. And it cannot break down under whatever pressure bears upon it. A safe and steadfast hope that enters within the veil of the heavenly temple, that most holy place in which the very presence of God dwells, where Jesus has entered in advance as a forerunner for us, 
having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, I don't know about you all, but in preparing for today's lesson and just reading the word of God, there is a fire stirred up in my spirit. There is a hope. There is, a, there is as the word has declared, a strong encouragement and indwelling strength. Because of just reading the word, my God, if we took the moment to let it resonate and we meditate on it, imagine what can happen um, in terms of hope, what can happen in terms of the things we see going on. Hopelessness will be eradicated. Despair will be eradicated. All these things will be eradicated if we could just embrace the word of God and maintain our hope. So here um, I have a picture and I love using pictures because again, they demonstrate what we're, what we're talking about. They give us a, an image uh, for us to really grab hold to the concept. So this here we see a ship and we see a chain that we know, we don't see it in the picture, but we know it is attached to an anchor. We understand what an anchor does. If we go back, or well, we have it right here um, in, in verse 18, where it says that our hope is the confidence assurance, and it is an anchor for our soul, our soul, our mind, will, and emotions, our, the fullness of our being in terms of that part of who we are. Um, but, but Jesus is our anchor. He is the one who grounds us who stabilizes us, and who keeps us from drifting out to sea. He keeps us from drifting when the storm rages. He keeps us from meandering wandrously through life and circumstances and situations. He keeps us grounded. He stabilizes us. This is the hope we have. With the things that are going on, and, and more recently, the um the mass shooting at the school in texas that was horrific we know it and i don't know about you but but these things have have been so frequent and so heavy in terms of how crazy and chaotic they are i have found myself having to be intentional about bringing my mind in about bringing my focus and my thoughts in because if we are left to our own devices, we, we will be all over the place. And I'm telling you to the point of wanting to send somebody to see Jesus, to, to exact revenge, to, 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 to make, you know, to make people hurt because they've hurt somebody else and all of these things. But in the midst of that, as believers, we have to take a step back. We have to take a breather. We have to take a moment to begin to speak with the Lord and let Holy Spirit minister to us and to begin to speak in a, in a sense of community with like-minded believers to, to, to just make sure that we're not losing it. We're not cracking up, that we are able to be steadfast and that we are reminded that regardless of what is taking place, that we are not left alone. That's what I want to say. That we are with not uh, we are not without hope. That we are God has not abandoned us. We are not left to our own devices. God has made a promise. He has given us his son and 
his son Jesus is our anchor that keeps us from falling, keeps us from failing, keeps us from nutting up and acting like we don't even believe, acting like we are not even part of his family. So we have to be reminded of Jesus, who is our hope. And when I, when I think about Peter, <laughs> when Jesus, when he said, Jesus, if it be you bid me come, and Jesus bid him come and he got out of the boat. He, Jesus remained his, his full focus, his singular focus. And because Jesus anchored his attention, anchored his, 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 his entire um, thought process, anchored everything concerning that encounter, Peter was fine while he was focused. But as soon as he stopped focusing on his anchor, which was sure, which was safe, which was steadfast, he began to drown. He began to be overcome. He began to be overwhelmed by what he saw happening around him. How many can identify with this, with all of the news happening, all of the things that are going on, feeling like it's, pull, it's literally pulling you out to sea, pulling you into this wide place that, that there, where there is no structure, there is no control, there is no hope, there is no, no, no refuge. How many of you have felt that way? Even if it wasn't necessarily what is happening on a national scene, what is happening in your very life, in your home, within your very physical body that is trying to dislodge you from your focal point of Jesus Christ, that is trying to dislodge you from the stability that has come to your life. What is trying to keep you from having hope in this day and age, in your circumstance, in your situation? Think about that for a moment. All kinds of things are coming at us, one thing after another thing after another thing. I, I, it's just like Lord, if 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 a butterfly land on my head, I'm gonna lose it. And I'm being funny right there, but but you understand my point. That is, it's been so much going on. It just feels like we are going to be crushed and we are going to crumble under the weight. But the word of God is our assurance and reminder that we are to maintain hope in the midst of all of this because Jesus is our anchor. And listen to this. People might say, well, well, Jesus isn't our hope. That's not what the word is saying. Well, let's look a little bit more close at this. The Bible says in verse 19, this hope, this confident assurance we have as an anchor for our soul, it is a safe and steadfast hope that enters within the veil. Hmm, how can hope enter into a veil if it be not Jesus? Think about that for a moment because I have people, there are people who would try to, you know, undercut the word with their logic. But looking at the word of God, you can clearly see that Jesus is our hope. He is the safe and steadfast hope that enters within the veil. Verse 20 confirms it as it says where Jesus has entered. 19 says hope that enters within the veil. 20 says Jesus has entered in advance of us. 
He is the forerunner. He is the one who set the stage. He is the bridge, the gap, the door. He is the one who has made up the hedge so that we can be reconciled unto the father. He is our hope in the midst of all of the chaos. So we got that. That, that should be clear at this point. Jesus is our hope. He is the one that anchors and stabilizes us in the midst of all that is going on. So I just want to give you Colossians 1, 26 and 27, a reminders. Remember, these are reminders that I'm giving you throughout because I know you know the word. But here in Colossians uh, chapter 1, verse 26 through 27 is talking about the mystery that has been hidden. Paul is talking to the people of God and he's letting them know, listen, for a time, Jesus was hidden. God's, God's mystery was, it was veiled because it, it, Jesus needed to be revealed and unveiled at the appropriate time. So at the appropriate time, God in his pleasure decided to make known to man what the riches of this particular mystery is to unveil Christ. And the Bible tells us that it is Christ, listen to this, Christ within and among us, you, the hope of glory. If you remember, maybe early last year or before that, when I taught on glory, the glory of God, the glory of God is not simply his brilliance, his majesty. The glory of God also incorporates his mind, his thoughts, his intents, his counsel. He brings all of that to the table when he comes. So Christ is the embodiment of all of that. He is the hope of God's counsel, his wisdom in the midst of the chaos, the answer in the midst of it all. So going back to Hebrews 6 and 18, does that not present strong encouragement to know that Christ is the hope of God, his intent, his majesty, his glory, all of that? Is it not the indwelling strength that Jesus presents so that we can hold tightly to who he is in the midst of what is happening? Do you see the harmony of the scripture that repeats itself so that we can understand how important hope is to the body of Christ? How important hope is to us individually and collectively? How important hope is, how important Jesus is to our everyday experience? We believe a, a, a religion has taught us that Jesus and hope and all of that that is, it, it is only restricted to the four walls, only restricted to the religious systems, only, only restricted to religious institutions. But Jesus is concerned, just like the father, about every facet of life. He is concerned about the people who died in the grocery store. He is concerned about the people who, the, 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 the kids and the staff who were murdered and shot down in the elementary school and every other mass shooting and everything else that is going on, God is concerned. Regardless of whether we feel like God has shown up or not, he is concerned. He is concerned because he loves us. He loves us beyond a shadow of a doubt. He loves us with an unconditional love. We have to remain in the place of hope because we see a thing the way we see it does not mean that's how God sees it. That is not how God sees it. That is why he says we walk by faith and not by sight. So the hope is that it is Jesus so that we put on his lenses, we put on his perspective, and we begin to see the situation as he does. 
because as horrific as what is going on is, God has brought the solution and he has given us what we need to answer. As crazy as things are, these are the perfect conditions for the body of Christ to arise to its proper position and to reveal Christ so that people can understand who he is. I hope y'all hearing what I'm saying. It is horrific. I am not trying to belittle anything that has happened in this world, in the nation, in your home. I am not trying to belittle anything that has happened in your body or is currently happening. All I'm trying to convey to you is that you need to maintain hope. We need to maintain hope because in the midst of these circumstances, we have been set up for a great work to reveal Christ in the earth. The question is, do you believe that? And how will you do that? The Bible tells us in Acts chapter one, where Jesus was talking to the, uh, the apostles and he was preparing to leave. And they were so bent on when was, was God going to restore everything and get the kingdom back and you know, all these frivolous peripheral things. Look at, think about this. I want you to look at this scripture and I want you to go back and see it in your mind. Jesus talking to them. Here he is preparing to leave. He's already trained them and, and, and he's been giving them nuggets and tidbits and, and, and getting them ready. And all they have to say right here is, Lord, are you at this time reestablishing the kingdom and restoring it to Israel? And listen to what Jesus says. My goodness. Wait, let me go back. The word is so good, good to me, y'all. Y'all know I have to bring myself in. So y'all just work with me. But the word says, while being together and eating with them, he, Jesus, commanded them not to leave Jerusalem. Key point, don't leave Jerusalem. Don't leave those places that are in turmoil and you feel it's too crazy for you to stay and hope is gone and all this kind of stuff. Don't, don't listen. Be still and stand. But to wait, wait for what the Father has promised. Back in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13, did the Bible not reference the promise that God made to Abraham? Here we go with another promise. The Bible says for them to wait for what father has promised, of which he said, you have heard me speak. Jesus had already been prepping them, had already been telling them what was going to happen. And the Bible continues with, you have heard me speak. For John baptized with water, but which totally dismisses that part, not in the sense of what, what it represented, but we're moving on to something new to better. But you will be baptized and empowered in dwelling strength. You see the verse at the, at the bottom of the screen and united with the Holy Spirit not long from now. So he, he was preparing them again, reminding them. And the Bible goes on to say, so when they had come together, they asked him repeatedly, Lord, are you at this time reestablishing the kingdom and restoring it to Israel? But listen to what Jesus said to his response. Jesus is, is so strategic. Oh my goodness, the strategy of God is just blows my mind. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the epochs which the father has fixed by his own authority. In other words, you're in the wrong lane. You're minding my business. 
You're worried about the wrong thing. Your focus, Peter, is on everything else going on around you. It is not for you to know the times or the epochs which the father has fixed by his own authority. But you listen, he didn't say those the times and the epochs and things that's going on gonna be, you know, done away with and all of that. He said, what, what Jesus said is you will receive power and ability. That was Jesus's answer. You are not to worry about the times and the seasons and what you see going on. Understand that in the midst of it, you are going to receive power and ability. Come on, Hebrews 6 and 18, indwelling strength. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and why? Why are we receiving this indwelling strength? So that we maintain hope, that we remain stable, that we are not tossed to and fro. And for the end game of being his witnesses. Mm, 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 mm. I hope y'all with me. I hope you are with me. We are receive, we, we rece receiving power and ability from Holy Spirit to be his witnesses to tell people about him, both in Jerusalem. Let's go back to the beginning of the verse that told, where Jesus told them, do not leave. Jerusalem is the first, your front line. Jerusalem is our front line, believers. It is where God has placed us in community. It is where God placed us in families, in homes, in neighborhoods, in jobs, in, in, in on different councils, on different boards, in people groups. God has strategically placed us in these positions and, and in these communities, and he has told us that we are not to leave. Why? Because we need to tell the people about who he is both starting in our front line. And then as God gives us the mandate, we began to move out with the word of God being his witnesses into all the earth. Keep going with me, keep going with me. So on the day of Pentecost, we know what happened. These are again, reminders. The Bible tells us when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound came from heaven, like a rushing violent wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared to them tongues resembling fire, Lord have mercy, which were being distributed among them, and they rested on them as each person as each person received the Holy Spirit and they were all filled. That is, they were diffused throughout their being with Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues, different languages, not your prayer language, but different dialects in our human experience as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out, not just to speak, but to speak clearly and appropriately because it was necessary for the different audiences that were there. I hope y'all following me. Now, back to Hebrews 6 and 18. Is that not strong encouragement that God promised back in Joel chapter 2, and, uh, and I believe it's verse 28, where he said, I, and the, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. This is the manifestation of the promise. If God did it before fulfilling his promise, he's going to do it again. Here we go with God pour, pouring out his spirit upon all flesh. 
and they began to speak. And that indwelling strength of Holy Spirit. Listen, y'all, the saints of old, they had Holy Spirit in terms of when he just chose to come upon them to, to do a, a particular work or, or say a particular thing. But we are part of the new covenant. We have a better covenant. And because of it, the only reason is because of what Jesus came to do to set it straight. And he gave us his spirit on the inside of us. Do you understand that we have have uh, the power on site, that we have the power inside, that we have a 24 hour a day, seven day a week, 365 access to the throne room in dwelling strength in the midst of the chaos that is going on in life. I hope y'all hearing the word of God today. And I pray that you're seeing the harmony of the scripture. Because when we talk about teaching, it really educating, because educating exceeds teaching in that we're not just trying to give information. We are standing with people, walking with people to bring them in a, to a place of understanding the information they've received. So I also want you to see the harmony of the scripture. God is he's continuing to repeat Repeat, repeat. When a teacher, an educator, when someone is repeating something, it is, it is facilitating the learning process. It is because it is something important that we need to take note of. So I pray that you see the, the harmony of the scriptures. Now, in Acts chapter two, we see the perfect conditions for what Jesus prayed for in John 17, verse 22. He was praying to the Father, and the, the, the whole sum total of that was that we would be one, that we would not be uh, divided, that we would have one mind, one heart, one spirit. And in and, and Acts chapter 2, God fulfilled that right there. It was a manifestation. They were assembled together in one place, not just physically, their hearts were knit, their spirits were knit, their minds were knit together. They had come together literally as koinonia, a demonstration of the heart of God, because at the beginning, that was what God's heart was. All throughout, that's what God's heart was and even now and into the future it is always going to be what god's heart is about family community koinonia so their their intentional decision to come together even in the midst of everything that was going on demonstrated that they knew internally inherently they knew what was going to attract god the oneness not just attract God, but demonstrate God. So their oneness, their being assembled together in one place, man, it, it set the stage. It set the stage for the promise to come. Then reminders, y'all, because y'all heard me teach this before. There was a sound. My Lord. There was a sound. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven. If you study the word sound, you'll see that it is echos. The Greek word is ekos, which also means report. So suddenly there came a report from heaven. Come on, y'all. Did not in Acts chapter one, Jesus said, I need you to stay in Jerusalem because I need you to be, you're going to be, once you receive this power, you are going to be my witnesses. And the only reason you can be witnesses is because you stood with me. You saw the report happening in, in real time. 
So the report of heaven comes down to these people who are on one accord. The answer comes down to the people who have decided to come together in community and put their own stuff to the side, to put their race to the side, to put their, their, their financial status to the side, to put the way they dress to the side, to put the way they look to the side. They put everything individual to the side and they put community above themselves and that unity ushered in in the report of heaven. Come on, y'all. Now, ekos, the Greek word for uh, sound, is, as you can see, it is very, it looks very much like our English word echo. And when we talk about echo, we understand that that's the, that's when sound bounces off something and it comes back. Uh, it's a reflection of sound waves. But what I want you to focus on is the, to the, the information to the left. Oh my goodness, if we get a revelation, y'all. An echo is the repetition and structure, content, and content of one speaker's utterance to another. An echo is, is, is closely imitating or repeating another's words, ideas, and, and all of that kind of stuff. So essentially what happened here is their oneness ushered in the report of heaven and in and, and, and everything they start doing began to mirror and repeat the structure of God's utterance. Come on, somebody. It began to mirror and repeat God's intent. It began to mirror and repeat God's ideals and his words. And they began to imitate everything that God was about. Everything that they saw Jesus doing, and it, it, it was as if it was harnessed and they began to just share what heaven was saying with the audience. My goodness, I, I don't have time to get all the way down deep into that. But if you will study this word, you will see what was transpiring in this moment. So let's go on. And the word continues. There appeared, now after all this, the unity, the sound, there appeared to them tongues resembling fire. Mm, mm, mm. Now, listen, we all see different, like our lenses are different and we perceive different. And as I was reading this, I, you know, we and, and how we're taught, it says tongues of fire, tongues resembling fire. But when I saw this picture, oh my God, we understand that the dove is, is, is symbolic of Holy Spirit, but that is, that is what happened. Holy Spirit was poured out. And that is what I believe the, the, the tongues of fire really was looking like. This is what I'm seeing in my mind's eye. But listen, the tongues of, uh, of the tongues resembling fire appeared. And, and listen to this, which were being distributed among the people who had gathered in oneness. Distributed. That's interesting. What that means really is that the fullness of Holy Spirit had come, but each person received their portion, their grace, everything they needed for the specific path, uh, way, uh, things that God had, had entrusted, has entrusted and cre um, called and created each person to do from the foundations of the earth. And, and as, the, as the Bible goes on to say, it says, and they rested. The fire, the tongues resembling fire rested on each one of them as each person received the Holy Spirit. 
and they were filled. Come on, Hebrews 6 and uh, 18, the indwelling power, the indwelling strength, and they were all filled. That is, they were, listen to the word of God. That is, they were diffused throughout their being with Holy Spirit. Anytime we have the audacity and we've all done it, nobody's above reproach here and we would be lying if we said otherwise, we have all doubted what God has put in us. We have doubted that there is a solution for the things we see happening. We have doubted, we have had moments of doubt, but the Bible is clear that we have been filled. We have the indwelling spirit of God that has been diffused throughout our being, we have what we need to address the times we live in so we can maintain our hope. And it goes on, the Bible goes on to tell us in verse four that you had the unity, you had the sound, and then you had the fire, you had Holy Spirit poured out. And as a result of the indwelling, they subsequently began to speak. And the Bible says they began to speak in other tongues, different languages, as the spirit was giving them the ability to speak out clearly and appropriately. I think that is so profound and necessary to emphasize because it's one thing to just be babbling out of your mouth, talking, 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 saying something, saying something. But if it is not clear, if it is not comprehensive, then you are doing a disservice. I am doing a disservice to the audience that God has sent us to serve. But speak, when you, when you study that word, you understand it is to utter a voice, emit a sound, stuff we already know, so I'm just reminding you, to utter articulate sounds. This is, this is very important. It must be articulate. It must, it must be articulate because what God intended has to be protected and delivered in the fullness of which it was given. I'm I'm, I'm holding on and pausing for purpose. Everything God has given must be presented to the respective audience in the fullness in which it was given. So our speaking needs to be articulate. And speaking is not just verbal. Talking is not just verbal. It is communicating. Verse literal and symbolic. You can communicate with your body language. You can communicate with your speech. You can, you can communicate in all kinds of different ways in written format, but it must be articulate so the audience is not derailed. When they spoke, they were telling, they were retelling, they were recounting the story of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Come on, scribes. And when they were speaking, they were using words in order to declare God's mind and to disclose his thoughts. Y'all better come on here and understand what the spirit of the Lord is saying today. What are you doing in the midst of the chaos and the confusion and the trauma and the tragedy very much real? What are we doing in the midst of it to articulate God's mind and to disclose his thoughts? What are we doing? We're the body. We're the ones with the indwelling strength. We're the ones with the strong encouragement. We are the ones who have the resident hope in us. 
What are we doing to communicate and pass on the report of heaven? That as this picture of water shows, it's reverberating through Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, and all to the othermost parts of the earth. What are we doing to speak the report of heaven? It reminds me of Matthew uh, chapter 25. Actually, this should have been in the, uh, the previous slide, these two scriptures, where, where the parable of the talents where the master distributed according to their abilities. That's how Holy Spirit was poured out. The fullness of Holy Spirit was poured out, but each person received their portion. First Corinthians, many gifts, one spirit. I hope y'all are understanding why it is so necessary for us to maintain hope because our respective communities have to hear the report of heaven. And we go on to talk about um, chapter two, where after they spoke, the, the audience began to hear this sound and see them speaking in tongues. And they are bewildered. They are shocked. They cannot believe this. Are these not Galileans? Look, they're not from where we're from and they're speaking our language. Wait a minute. This is, can't be possible. This, this, this is a phenomenon. They could not believe that someone was speaking their language. My God. When you think about these communities that have been devastated by what has transpired, are you called to speak in a way where they can say, they're speaking my language? I can hear God through their action. I can see God through their uh, words. I can see God through the book that they've written. I can see God through the, 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 the ministry they have, the business they have. I can see God just the way they treat people. I mean, can the audience make that declaration of us? Can they make that declaration of us? That we are speaking their language. This is why we cannot compare ourselves. This is why we cannot enter into a place of competition. This is, this is the reason we can't be conformed to this world and all the foolishness because we have to come in the weight and volume of the book written of us. We have to be specific to what God called us to. We are not going to be doing what the next person does and the next person does. We're all pieces of a puzzle. And if I'm trying to be your piece, the picture of Christ is never going to come through clear. My God, y'all know I'm not fussing at you. I'm just, this is the passion. This is why we have to embrace our uniqueness and hold on to hope and understand that the indwelling of Holy Spirit and being part of what Jesus did to reconcile us to Father, that we have entered into a new covenant, it, it's inform, it should be informing us in the midst of the chaos. It should, all of that should be continuing to push us in the midst of chaos not cause us to be in a place of hopelessness and helplessness and we don't know what we're going to do. We can have a moment of that because I know I have. I, I was talking to a few people and I'm like, oh my God, I don't know what we're going to do. Then I had to get my life together and say, you're going to do what God called you to do. You're going to do your part. You are going to speak in the unique way God has given you so the, the audiences that you are connected to will begin to hear the report of heaven. That's what you're going to do. That's the answer. That is the hope that we have. My goodness. And Acts 1 and 8 just, just reminding us that the power, the indwelling power is given, is the Holy Spirit giving us the ability and the might to be God's witnesses in these different places. So I noticed these two scriptures seem so 
um, off in terms of hope and in terms of what I've just been sharing with you, but it's not. And I want to share this with you. Y'all, I don't want to sweating and everything else. Y'all just bear with me. In 1 Corinthians 14 and 39, Paul is, is, is encouraging us that we need to desire earnestly to prophesy. And, and, and I don't believe that that wasn't just Paul talking. That's the, the, that is the heart of God, that we all desire to prophesy. So many people have elevated prophecy and speaking in tongues to the point of worshiping both. They have become greater than Jesus himself. People have elevated all of these, these two things. I mean, these are the most prevalent things I see people just run after and worship and just, you know, has set the standard for what a real believer is. People need to have a seat and stop it. We need to be representing Christ correctly. But anyway, the Bible tells us to desire earnestly to prophesy. Revelations 19 and 10 goes on to, to tell us this. Now, before, let me, let, me, let me put a pen right there for a second. This is our reminders. Apostle Teresa has done a phenomenal job of, of teaching us. And we as a community, has uh, we've done a phenomenal job of, of learning and teaching what prophecy is and the heart of it and all of that. And these are just reminders. So in Revelation 19 and 10, we know the, the, the angel um, was there and uh, John, he bowed down and worshiped and the, the angel kind of refrained him like, no, don't do that. Um, I am only another servant with you and your brethren who have accepted and hold the testimony born of Jesus Christ. He tells, he tells John to worship for, and he goes on to say, for the substance, the essence of the truth revealed by Jesus is the spirit of all prophecy, the vital breath, inspiration of all inspired preaching, so on and so forth. My point of, of, of calling this out and emphasizing it is this. We've been told to desire earnestly to prophesy. Revelation 19 and 10 says, for the substance of the truth revealed by Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So all of that to say this. The, the bare bones of prophecy is Jesus, it, 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 who embodies the mind and heart of God. If we are prophesying and it does not lead back to Jesus, then it is not prophecy. It is not prophecy. And what does this have to do with hope and, and, and Acts chapter two, the indwelling of the spirit and all that? When, let me take you back. And, and you know what? I didn't take my scribes mobilized off here. Lord have mercy. This is something I've taught before, but y'all get it. Um, here we go back to, oh goodness, technical difficulties, y'all. But you know what? Let the, let the slides do what it's doing. Listen. All of it has to do with Acts chapter two, the unity, the sound of heaven coming, and they begin to speak. When you prophesy, you're speaking. You're not just speaking with words. You are speaking with your life. You are speaking with uh, every gift God has given you. You are speaking. And if you're speaking from the heart and mind of God, it literally is prophecy. People think that prophecy is only um, thus saith the Lord, this, this, and that, and which is, which it is part of that, but sometimes it, it could just be an encouraging word. As long as it's leading people back to God, back to Jesus, who is the embodiment of God's heart and mind, then it is prophecy. So what are you doing 
with what God has given you to prophesy, to speak to the audiences you've been sent to. That's why I put this here. Um, so we are responsible. We are, we have a greater responsibility because we have the indwelling of Holy Spirit. In these times, we have a greater responsibility than the old covenant saints because we have a new and better covenant. We have a great, we have much greater responsibility. John 14 and 12 tells us that we'll do greater works than Jesus did. And Luke 12 and 48 tells us that, um, that with, with, with great, with, we have great responsibility. With great, the Lord is, is slipping my mind, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Um, so we have a greater weight. We have a greater responsibility because we have resident power. And this is, this, this is also going on in terms of uh, producing greater works because of techno technological advances. We have an expanded understanding. Again, we have the better covenant. It, there's, there's more people on the earth than ever was. In, in the, 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 the Bible days, it's, it's just a lot more of everything going on. Some of the stuff, I know it's nothing new under the sun, but some of the stuff that is manifesting in our day and age, it probably wasn't as prevalent as it was then. And so it's, it, you got, again, with technology, you got smartphones and internet and news and radio, and it can just be overwhelming with the, the, the influx. But the good thing is all of those things provide for us to be able to give the report of heaven. We have more work to do, y'all. So um, <clears throat> the last thing I want to share here is these two scriptures. And, and 1 Corinthians 13 and 13 tells us that at the end of the day, faith, hope, and love abides. And of these three, the greatest is love. And we've heard this over the past several weeks about because we've been learning about God who is synonymous with his love. He is love. Ahava. Um, but what I wanted to highlight here, and I just <clears throat> am reiterating Hebrews 6, 18 through 20, where the hope that's set before us, our confident assurance, the anchor is all Jesus. It all leads back to Jesus. But what I want to show you here is that hope, I don't think it's happenstance that hope resides in the middle of faith and love. Hope ushers us into the love of God. If we maintain hope, we will more frequently begin to experience and encounter God and really better understand his, who he is and his love and how he demonstrates his love, how he pours out his love and himself, how he pours of himself so that we can be first partakers to understand it. And then we can go on to do the same, to echo his heart in our respective areas of influence and responsibility. So hope ushers us into his love. So that's, I think that's all I have. Just remember to maintain hope, maintain your hold to Jesus. He is the one and, and, and he dwells in us by way of his precious Holy Spirit, that indwelling strength, the indwelling power and, 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 and remembering what he has done, what he is doing and what he will do helps us to stand in that place of strong encouragement, regardless of what's happening around us. Maintain your hope, believers, because we are in unprecedented times in terms of the crazy we see, but we are also in unprecedented times in terms of the power that God is wanting to see come forth in his body. So that is all I have, and I'm going to stop the recording. Are there any questions or comments?
去